Hello, true crime friends. I'm Danny. And I'm Brenna. And, and this, this is Law Ghost Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, Bryn. I'm so excited to connect this month as May is Mental Health Awareness. And I know this is one of several topics that we are really passionate about and will continue to spread awareness around each year. If you have not already, go ahead and check out our merch store for this year's Mental Health Awareness sticker and be sure to be on the lookout for our giveaway as well. I'm so excited. I think May is probably my favorite month when it comes to true crime because I love learning about mental health, especially with these like brutal crimes Mm -hmm. that we look into. You want to understand like a why and a lot of the times mental health has to do with it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So today's case again will come with a trigger warning as we will talk about subjects such as suicide as well as child mutilation and murder. Well, with that out of the way, today's case was actually a case suggestion from one of our awesome friends and fans in Australia. So thank you, Natasha, for this case, and I cannot wait to see you next year. It's been too long. Although this case was a case suggestion, it does tie into a previous case that I have done, which made it a perfect fit for this month. I'm so excited to hear it. Yeah, and with that, I will now tell you the story of Dina Slosser. Dina was born in 1969 in New York. She did not have a typical childhood as her parents divorced at the age of five, and shortly after, Dina would be diagnosed with hydrocephalus. Bryn, do you mind sharing what the Mayo Clinic shared about what hydrocephalus is? Sure. Quote, hydrocephalus is the buildup of fluid in the cavities, or ventricles, deep within the brain. The excess fluid increases the size of the ventricles and puts pressure on the brain. Cerebral spinal fluid normally flows through the ventricles and bathes the brain and spinal column, but the pressure of too much cerebral spinal fluid associated with hydrocephalus can damage brain tissues and cause a range of brain function problems, end quote. So as you can see, she had quite a bit of a medical background at a young age. And by the age of 13, Dina had already gone through eight surgeries due to this condition. She had often had to shave her head as well, which spread to affect her school life as well, as she was severely bullied. Dina did not let this stop her, though. She went on to college to study psychology, and this is where she would meet her soon-to-be husband, John Slosher. Although Dina's family and friends thought John was in school to study for computer science, he actually dropped out and was pocketing the tuition money that was sent in. He even went as far as holding his own graduation party. I'm seeing some red flags there. Flag, John. flag. Yeah. <laughs> In 1990, Dina and John were married. The young couple would welcome two children, Kelsey in 1995 and Brianna in 1996. Dina suffered postpartum after both children. As both Dina and John struggled to keep a job, for Dina, it was always she never found the right fit. Someone was always too rude, didn't treat her well, or she would get offended. As you can see, she did not handle confrontation well, and as a result, would end up quitting her jobs. And John, well... He started his career off lying about a degree that he never got and pocketed money, so you can connect the dots on your own for that issue. Oh, wait, how did he pull off that he said he had a degree for employment? I'm not sure he, like, if he ever degree. said that he got the degree, or but that's everybody just kind of else how thought. he 
started off of like his first real world experience he just was like hey got this degree when he never did and was pocketing the money for other things um, and then he did go on to work in other IT areas. I'm not sure if he declared if he had a degree or not, though. Oh, wow. Due to constant job hopping, this led the family to take an opportunity to move from Illinois to Fort Worth for a job that would pay upwards to $100,000 for John and allow Dina to stay at home with the two girls. Not long into this stint, John lost his job and placed the family in financial stress. Not to mention, Dina's mother, Connie, was also diagnosed with Parkinson. Desperately needing an escape, Dina graciously accepted an invitation that was extended to her from a friend to attend her church, the Water of Life. Now, the preacher at this church, Doyle Davidson, I cannot describe him as anything other than nuts. Like, all caps, nuts. This man taught firm in his church that a woman had to always obey her husband or she would never give birth. And those who disobeyed their husband were possessed with the Jezebel spirit. You know my feelings on that one. A major red flag. And yeah, like you said in the beginning, I'm seeing a correlation with Andrea Yates going down to the whole religious thing. Yeah, it's not looking good. But um, what exactly is the Jezebel? Oh, girl, I thought you would never ask. Jezebel was a woman of the Old Testament that was a wife of a king. A wicked, seductive, temptress, targeting woman that caused problems with childbirth, reproduction, complications, and defiant to submit to her husband. Now, Dina took Davison's teaching to heart, so much so that she would take her family on the 120-mile round trip just to listen to his sermons. These sermons were not like a cute 30 minutes or a hot hour. They would be several hours long. And the family would still have to make the trip all the way back home. They would go several nights a week, including weekdays. And the kids would head to bed after 10 p.m. and sometimes not even be fed dinner. Connie, the children's grandmother, concerned about how much time they were spending at the church and the environment that the children's were in, she came down to visit and speak with her daughter. Dina did not want to hear it, though. She simply replied, I'm not doing anything God would not want me to do. Connie, now frustrated at her daughter for being so immersed by this preacher and his teaching, she figured she'd go directly to the source. So she called Davison to talk to him and see if he could talk some sense into her daughter. Connie was shocked at his reaction, though. Davison proceeded to yell at her as she was a crooked lady, and yes, you guessed it, was possessed with the Jezebel spirit as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. Has to be. (laughs) This man, I can't. Connie did not give up, though. She insisted on going into a sermon to confront him head-on. Davison sees Connie in the crowd and comes up to her, grabs Bill's shoulder, and announces to the church that he is releasing the demons that are affecting her Parkinson's. He continues to yell and shake her in the process. Now I'm going to stop here and say, if I witness this, I don't know if I would laugh, yell, or be straight scared. But everyone who attended church that day thought it was just like another day of Davidson sermons going on in the church. Wow. I'm I'm going to applaud Connie. Good for her for like going in there and mm-hmm. being like, no, let me like get these people out of his brainwash. Yeah, no. And I, I mean, not only did she try to talk to her daughter, but she called him and went in person. Like she was yeah, she's really trying everything. persistent. Yeah. Connie took this experience as a sign to head home and give Dina some space for a bit, thinking that the separation would 
alleviate some tension and kind of settle things back to normal. Oh, wait, sorry. Did he not cure her of her Parkinson's? Oh, no, no, no. The mm. Jezebel spirit oh, was too strong. Too it. strong. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the church views medication as witchcraft and not the cool kind. The only thing healing that supports the body is prayer. So before Connie takes off on her flight, Dina steals the medication from her mother for her Parkinson's from her purse to save her soul. While at the airport, Connie has an episode and is unable to move due to paralysis and sits in her own feces overnight at the airport. The next morning, a good Samaritan sees that something's just not right and was able to retrieve additional medication from her suitcase and Connie made it back home safely after that. Wow, that is intense. Was Dina not with Connie, I'm assuming? No, so she took the medication, then dropped her mother off, Connie, and then that whole episode happened while she was there. And luckily she had like an extra mm-hmm, in her suitcase that wow. she had with her. And then not to mention she did that to her mother, but there was another time that Connie came back to visit just to check on the kids and, you know, do grandma things. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids was actually sick. So she went and bought them cough medicines because they just, they had like some cold. Dina actually slapped it out of her hand, poured it down the sink and threw it away and said that that was going to ruin her children's soul because that was witchcraft. So, like, not only did she do that to her mother, but she put her own kids in harm's way by not giving them medication when they were sick because she was so immersed in And the messed up thing is, like, in her brain, she's really trying to do what she thinks is best or what she's being told is best, Mm -hmm. but that's actually harming them. Yeah, which is super scary. Yeah. In 2003, Dina found out that she was pregnant again, and Margaret would be born on January 9, 2004. Dina had a natural childbirth at home with a midwife, but after the delivery, Dina would tell some really strange stories that she actually gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl, and that her son was given back to God. As you can see, her mental health was quickly declining. One day, she was reading the Bible, and a word stuck out on the page to her. Cut. And then she proceeded to cut her wrist in the bathroom as God had spoken her to do this through the Bible. Her husband John found her in the bathroom and simply placed band-aids on her arms and prayed to heal them. Oh my god. Okay, so she just happened to see like a passage that had the word cut in it and And like zoned in on that. Kept thinking, 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 and that's what made her do that. Yeah. Five days after this, Dina and her now five-year-old daughter, Kelsey, were watching a TV show when Dina proceeded to get up and run out of the house, with little Kelsey crying and running after her, but she was just unable to keep up. Lise found her later, two miles away from the home, screaming at the top of her lungs. She'd later explain that this trigger was brought on by the characters in the show taunting and laughing at her. She was quickly admitted to the psychiatric hospital and diagnosed with postpartum psychosis. And I don't know if you guys have not heard my case on Andrea Yates, but we talk a little bit about postpartum psychosis. It is a very small percentage of people that are actually diagnosed with this, but it is extremely dangerous. And it is a high percentage that mothers will then do harm not only to themselves, but their child as well. Without seeking treatment, it is severely dangerous. But John demanded that Dina be released as he felt the hospital would treat her with witchcraft and mistake Dina's actual demons for the insanity that she's displaying. The hospital then let Dina go and CPS got involved. As Dina was unable to see the kids without supervision and she was placed on medication. Over time, Dina slowly started to come back 
a little bit more to her normal state and CPS stopped checking in. Unfortunately, this is where Dina would slip again. She would stop taking her medication and start showing signs of abnormal behavior, such as making animal noises or hissing at people. Once again, John did nothing. One particular incident I found extremely disturbing was one day they were getting ready for church and Dina dressed baby Margaret up in all white and proceeded to state to John that he wanted Davidson to marry her. Yes, Dina wanted her infant child to marry that crazy old man. And what did John do? He just asked her to go change baby Margaret. You will see a trend of John doing nothing. He is very good at that. Wow. Okay, well, I'm glad CPS did come in, but I'm going to need them to come back. Yeah. Um. So at least John knew that obviously the preacher wasn't going to marry his infant child. Yeah, so he kind of just like brushed it off. I mean, even with all of any bizarre comments or uh, conversations or anything like that, he would just brush her off saying that she was acting silly or just make no note of it at all. And I will go back a little bit to the comment of him saying they mistook her demons for insanity. Like they very much believed anything that was wrong with you was a demon. Was a demon. So like there's no such thing as you hurting yourself or having a mental illness, uh, which we'll kind of circle back to with Davidson in a little bit. But none of those things could actually be real. It's the demons that are causing it causing it yeah just like the parkinson's in connie wow so he actually did believe pretty much just as much as she did yeah i would say they were both really firm in the church and believed the teachings of what davidson was speaking for sure Dina fell back on her Bible during these times. She believed that this was her time to speak with God. During one of those sessions, she found a passage that she could not get past as it spoke off the pages for her. Bryn, do you mind reading this quote for us? Sure. Quote, If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from there. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Matthew 30. After three days of soul searching, Dina figured out what God was asking her. She proceeded to go get a nine-inch blade from the kitchen, turn up gospel music so loud that her neighbors could hear it, and on November 22nd, 2004, she cuts off baby Margaret's arms one by one as God told her. She then calls John and tells him what she had done. John, once again, did almost nothing, but basically nothing. And instead of calling the police, he called the daycare worker where the other two girls were at, to have them call Dina to see if she was okay. Then the daycare workers proceeded to call the police. Oh my god. So I'm a little confused here because the passage is kind of implicating that she should cut off her own arm, Mm -hmm. is how I'm reading it. Why did she decide to cut off the baby's arm? So she had a really odd obsession with Margaret, As I mentioned previously, she did want Davidson to marry her. She would make constant comments to John of that she wanted to give her baby to God Mm. all the time. And he, again, would do nothing. Like, I don't understand. She would continually say this stuff and he would just blow it off of like, it's whatever, ignoring you type of situation. So that is 
where I could see the connection between the two because she was like so obsessed with Margaret and giving her back to God of like reading this passage of that he was saying you need to do this to her for me to have her type of situation. I mean trying to make sense in the very messy convoluted mind state she was in but that's the only connections that I could make for. Yeah. Uh, insane especially because like if you're gonna go into that much into like reading the passage it says right hand offend thee Mm -hmm. so why is she cutting off both of her arms first of all what did the baby's hand ever do to her also it says only cut off the right hand so that the whole body should not be cast into hell so if she wanted her baby like she's it's making me (laughs) upset (laughs) I just don't understand, especially if you're going to, like, read that much into it. Like, yeah, I I just can't. As police are on their way, they had dispatched Caldina to check in and just make sure she was not doing additional actions while no one was there at the house with her. She proceeds to tell them everything that happened in a calm, collected manner. And when police arrive, Dina had a nine-inch blade in her arm as she attempted to saw it off, sitting in a pool of her own blood, singing church hymns. The only reason that she did not actually cut off any portion of her body, though, was because of that dispatcher calling her. They interrupted her doing it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Police then see baby Margaret covered in her own blood with both arms severed from her body. There is conflicting information on whether she died at the scene or at the hospital. And I did want to bring this back up because if, in fact, she was still alive at the scene, going back to John doing freaking nothing the entire Mm -hmm. time, they could have saved her if he would have just done the right thing from the start. And I mean, honestly, this whole thing could have been avoided, but at least like that one time you could have stepped in and done something, you still did nothing, Mm -hmm. but I digress. And going back to John, did he just not believe what she was saying or he thought it was like not, yeah, did he not understand what was happening? I mean, I don't know if he ever thought she was being serious or whatnot because I mean, to me, even if you did think it was her demons, you're in an environment where like demons result in negative things. So like Mm -hmm. the Jezebel spirit makes you not be able to procreate. So why would you think any other type of spirit being embodied in your wife would not result in other things happening? Her doing harm to herself or others. And I mean, you clearly saw her doing harm to herself. I don't know why you wouldn't think that would escalate to others, but I, I really don't understand that at all that's the like one of the most frustrating things through this whole case is that john was there for every single thing and just was like it worse yep that's it that's that's dina she's just possessed (sighs) that's really sad yeah as the police were escorting dina out she was chanting praise jesus thank you god over and over again During Dina's trial, she was diagnosed with manic depression and would ultimately be found not guilty for reason of insanity. She was sentenced to a hospital until stable and not a threat to herself or those around her. During her stint, she was allegedly roommates with Andrea Yates. And if you have not heard my other case on this, I know we have mentioned it a couple of times throughout this episode, but I'd really highly suggest you go back and listen to it and listen to the similarities in both cases. Which brings me to my question to you, Brenna. I want to get your thoughts on this allegation. Do you think it would be appropriate for these two women to live together if this was true? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> they would like, 
egg each other on, you know, yeah. like give them new new ideas. Yeah, especially for how deep rooted this was for both of them and how intimate they were in this situation. When I saw that, I was my mouth open. Yeah. Although I will say they would either be like super BFFs or they would be like hating each other mm, especially yeah. if it was like a difference of religion you know yeah. like they would probably think each one was a demon yeah i i could see both ways i i mean i really there's could. no in between they're and they're both so extreme like you couldn't yeah exactly mm-hmm. like there's no middle ground they wouldn't part ways from either yeah um but i just i was shocked i could not believe that i found any inkling to those especially for how similar these cases were i was like why would you even think like oh you did that you did that yep roomies yeah pair them up yeah well and it's it just makes me so sad because you would think and obviously brainwashing doesn't happen overnight it's you know over and over and over again these small little things until you're so deep in that you can't see out but i wish someone was able to to both of them say like no, actually, your preacher is a demon, you know, like, and then, like, just, like, turn them like that, but, again, they're so Yeah, they're far. so And invested, also, the yeah. mental illness, obviously, like, they both suffered from postpartum psychosis, and, you know, that's gonna add on to being in a cult when you're mentally sane is one thing, but to add a rare and intense mental illness on top of it just exacerbates everything yeah yeah it's really crazy how something so rare in women especially going untreated these two cases have so many similarities with it being that way but it just goes to show that if it goes untreated or you try to take other extreme measures to fix a problem that it's just gonna make it way worse yeah now, after the trial, CPS urged that John have his parental rights be terminated as well, as he, again, did nothing <laughs> to protect these children during this time. Ultimately, he was able to keep both of his remaining children in his care, which I personally find a huge fail in this case. Um, yeah, what? Mm-hmm. I was really fired up when I saw that CPS, like, voted for that and was like, yes, no, this man is just as bad. Like, get him away from these kids. Yeah. And I was like, thank goodness. And then I had to do a little bit more research to see if he ended up keeping the kids. And when I found that, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, not only do you have to deal with that your mother killed your youngest sister and your dad knew about it the whole time, but now you're stuck with this man for your life. Yeah. Like, well, uh, I'm wondering, did he get off the cult bandwagon or? I'm not really sure. Um, I didn't really dive too much into him i mean especially if he does nothing i don't see him like driving an hour and a half like dina did to like see the sermon so i'm hoping his laziness (laughs) was the cure to get him at least out at least the kids out but yeah yeah, i don't still don't think or at least a great at least even if you were trying to make that effort seeing what happened to your wife and your daughter yeah like oh whoa yeah yeah that's probably not safe but Mm -hmm. who knows John and Dina divorced, and Dina was barred from ever seeing her two surviving children as part of the settlement. In 2008, she was released as an outpatient with the guidance of three rules. She was required to take birth control. She had to see a psychiatrist weekly, and she was never allowed to be alone with children. In 2012, she would come back into the media light as she would be found as working as a cashier at a local Walmart. 
and was ultimately fired due to this exposure. The scary part, though, is that there was nothing that came up on her background check because she was found not guilty. Her record was squeaky clean. When I found this in my research, my jaw dropped. Like, it's a hard line to walk as her actions were produced from severe mental illness, and I want to make sure that stays front-facing in this case of that we are talking about someone who was dealing with something like that, but also having nothing on her record really shocked me as well. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Brenna. Yeah, I mean, I can see it both ways. It definitely is my first thought is like, whoa, like, people should at least know about it but also at the same time like our court system is set up to okay if they were not guilty and we see it in some cases where they were not guilty but then they're blamed for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. so I can see both ways but yeah I've I figured she would probably be in treatment for longer but then Mm -hmm. again she was found not guilty so like I mean Andrea Yates is still yeah like i i mean it is crazy that at 2012 she was yeah essentially a free person was that four years yeah so it's about four years yeah i feel like that maybe i mean i know she has these guidelines but i'm also maybe not trusting of like does she have it wouldn't be a probation officer but how do they know that she's following up on these guidelines if there's nothing on her court well i mean the one thing like how do you how can you confirm someone is on birth control yeah especially back then like we didn't have all the options that we would have today but i don't know and obviously like working at walmart she wasn't alone with children but she definitely had access to them so it's like a very fine line to dance Mm -hmm. in my opinion but i don't know i don't know now let's go back to my boy davidson when he was asked about this case he stated that there was no such thing as mental illness just demons and the jezebel spirit of course Mm And when he was asked how he knew the family, he said that he had actually never met them despite spending several hours and days and minutes and seconds with these families multiple times a week to listen to his crazy long sermons. But yeah, I do want to go and circle back to just like the state of mind of Davidson because I want to just hone in at how insane this man was. He had a wife and then left his wife and then approached another woman that he was having an affair with in the church who was married. And this man wrote her husband a letter saying that God told him that this woman was now his wife and he was never to touch her again and that (laughs) this woman was now owned by him. And when they did not submit to this letter, he broke into their home got on top of her, choking her and shaking her to release the Jezebel spirit to be with him. And then for years, years, Brenna, he would talk about this woman in his sermon of how in one of them, in church, he said that God told him this woman was a slut. I am so sorry. Like, what? Like... Like, it's Sir, it's you are possessed. We are going to have to exercise them. Like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. I need, I need these men to stop. These yeah. super religious cult leader men to just not. Yeah. It's, it's insane. But I will, I will end my TED talk on Davidson there and just know everyone that I am praying that the Jezebel spirit is released from him soon. <laughs> Woo. Before we leave today, I do want to note that mental health really does matter. This case and so many others could be avoided if someone would have stepped in sooner to help Dina. 
Although things may not start out dangerous, they can easily climb to a point of no return if left unattended. Take care of your mind and look out for others. With that, we'd like to conclude today's episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. Leave us a comment or review. If you have a case suggestion, reach out through our website at logostories.com. You can also check out all of our source materials and help information for this episode while you're there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Stories. We will be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound nightmare for our theme music.